0: And you. Everybody doing well today? Good. Hey, guess what happened between that last Sunday and this morning? You guys worked. You filled in the holes. There was a big gaping hole right over here last Sunday. Not there today. Praise God. You guys did it, all right. Hey, it's good to see all of you here this morning. A couple things real quick. I know Tommy's already mentioned Halloween on the Hill, but I need to mention this, and that is if you are going to uh, be a business sponsor of Halloween on the Hill, uh, today is the last day to get though, that money in. Uh, you can drop it by the information center, the hub out in the foyer, and uh, or give it to one of the staff or something like that, but uh, today's the last day. We'll, we begin the ads this week on Facebook. All of the paid ads will be coming out this week on social media and other places, um, after the rain this weekend, you know what? It could be that Halloween on the Hill is the largest event in Niceville in 2019. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Could be. Last year we had over 10,000 people come through these doors over that evening, and we're looking forward to a great night uh, on Halloween evening. It's going to be a great safe op- alternative to what's going on, literally showing people the love of Jesus, and that's what, that's what it's all about. The second thing is this, Uh, as I told you last week, we're going to begin in the month of November. Uh, We're upgrading our our database and everything, membership roles, all of this. Uh, What I'd like for you to do is go ahead and go in the App Store and and download the Church Center app and begin to fill, get your profiles filled out. If you have a profile already, make sure the information is correct, all of that. But during the month of November, every Sunday during November, you can stop by the kiosk in the foyer and you can upgrade that. And uh, we, just, we have not done a membership purge in years and years and years. And so we're going to do that uh, this year coming into the new year. And so uh, it could be that we become the fastest tanking church in the United States of America uh, with a lot of folks that never, when they left, they didn't, they didn't clean up the rolls or anything like that. But uh, here's what I know. Uh, our attendance is up uh, over 150 people since November. God is moving at Gen U, and we're moving forward. Amen? All right. Okay, today we have a special guest with us. He is a dear friend of mine. He and his wife are great friends of ours. Uh, pastor Tommy and I kind of grew up together in, in, the, in the North Florida, West Florida area. Uh, we uh, went going to youth camps together since before we like to acknowledge. And, uh, but Tommy is uh, he's a great pastor. He, he pastored a church literally uh, in Carmel, Florida, which is in, in the middle of nowhere. Uh, he went there. He and Reese went there. They pastored that church. They built a great church. Uh, he was there for 22, 23 years, 24 years, and uh, did a great job. Eight years ago, our district uh, elected him as our district superintendent. He is now presiding over 170 odd churches across North Florida. Would you make welcome this morning to the platform Pastor Tommy Moore?
1: Well, good morning, Jen Yu. Wow, you're a good-looking crowd this morning. Don't you appreciate the presence of the Lord that's in the house this morning? Wow. I'm telling you, just uh, they could have just kept singing as far as I was concerned. I've heard me preach before, so I wasn't real excited. (laughs) <laughs> I was sure enjoying the worship, though. What a phenomenal day. Thank you, Pastor Phil and Kim. We love you guys so much. Uh, and what an awesome opportunity to be in church with you and your family today. Uh, this is something we've looked forward to and are grateful for the opportunity and honored to be here. Uh, as Pastor Phil said, our world, Recy, my wife Reese's with me this morning, and I'm glad that she's able uh, to be along with me this morning as well. And uh, our world radically changed eight years ago after pastoring a church for uh, almost 24 years, as he mentioned, we'd been associate pastor at three churches prior to that. I had been anyway, and Recy and I got married, and five months later, we became pastors of a church at 23 years old. Wow, that's good. <laughs> a lot of wisdom flows out of a pulpit with a 23-year-old pastor. <clears throat> the number one thing I used to preach on when we first started was child rearing. I thought I had all the answers of how they ought to raise them young'uns and make them mind, and then we had to, and I... Got rid of all those sermons, burned all the cassette tapes back in those days, and that wasn't as easy as it looked like. And so, uh, uh, anyway, it's been an interesting and wonderful journey for us for 24 years. God helped us to build a, uh, just be a part of the building of a great church way up in the woods, but uh, God blessed us to grow a congregation there to about... 550 consistent people on Sundays out in the middle of nowhere and uh, a large missions church. That was the, the key to turning that church around was getting outward focus and reaching our community and the world. So when I hear things like uh, your event that's coming up on the 31st and those kind of things where you're reaching into your community, I realize you're on the right path because the worst thing that can ever happen to a church is for it to turn inward and only think about itself and the things here in the house. Now those are important Things, but that's uh, that's not all there is. There's a lost world just beyond the four walls of this church here in Niceville, Florida, all around this surrounding area, and around the world. And we have been called by the Lord to be a part of reaching them with the good news. That's what the gospel means: good news that Jesus will change your life if you'll let him. Amen. Not only here on this earth, but for all of eternity. Amen. And for that we are grateful this morning. So again, it is an honor for Reese and I to be here. And may the Lord bless you today. If you have your Bibles or your iPad or your iPhone or your Android device or whatever you may wish to read from this morning, go with us to the book of Mark chapter number six this morning. Mark chapter six, verse number 30. I'm going to read out of the NIV this morning. Verse uh, chapter six, verse 30 of the book of Mark. It is, one of, it is the account of one of the most creative miracles that Jesus did while he was on the earth. Now, he did a lot of phenomenal healing miracles and other miracles that would certainly cause us to kind of have a jaw-dropping experience. But this, as far as volume, is one of the greatest creative miracles that Jesus ever did. It's the feeding of the 5,000. And this morning, I want to preach to you for just a few moments on the subject of four ways to miss a miracle. Four ways to miss a miracle. Let's use this story as a backdrop this morning. Mark chapter 6, verse number 30. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. Then because of so many people were coming and going and they had not even had a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Let me pause right there and say that Jesus even recognized that he and his disciples needed a day off. Amen? The Sabbath is a God concept, and that's one that I hope that you keep in your life, making worship a part of that Sabbath and then rest and time with your family. But can I just say this month happens to be Pastor Appreciation, Minister Appreciation Month, and you have a great group of pastors at your church that need to be appreciated a lot. Amen? Because they're awesome. Amen? And let me just tell you, if Jesus and his disciples needed a day off, so does your pastors. Amen? Honor that. Recognize that. They need vacations. They need time with their family. Not only recognize their need for it, but just make them do it. Amen? And honor it when they do. They need those times away. They need those times of rest. And uh, you just make sure that you honor that. Amen? Well, let's pick back up with the scripture in verse number 32. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and and, uh, got there ahead of them. And when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time, it was late in the day. So the disciples came to him. Listen to what they told him. This is a remote place. And they said, it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But Jesus had a different plan. And he answered them and said, you give them something to eat. It's always interesting when Jesus makes somebody else's problem your problem. Or my problem. They said to him, That would take more than a half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? Jesus said, how many loaves do you have? And he asked them to go and see. And when they found out, they said, five loaves and two fish. Five hush puppies and two mullet. That's not a whole lot. Thought we'd get it down here where we could understand this this morning. (laughs) Then Jesus directed them to uh, have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties and taking the five loaves and the two fishes and looking up to heaven. He gave thanks and broke the loaves. And then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. And he also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate, all 5,000 men and. Probably many women and children, there could have been 12 to 15,000 people in this group. And they all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of the men that ate were about 5,000. And Father, thank you for your word this morning and for the sweet spirit of the Lord that's in this house. Now, would you just help us for the next few moments to share something of worth with this body that will help them. And we'll thank you for the results at the end of this service in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Wow, what a miracle. Can you imagine being there that day and watching as the crowd was gathered and it was getting on over in the afternoon. Everyone was getting hungry, but they still wanted to hear what Jesus had to say. And the whole issue of feeding them arose. The disciples came to him as we read from the scripture and said, hey, these people are getting hungry. We need to get them out of here before it gets dark. Let's send them away. Let's, let's give them to someone else. Let's ask somebody else to take the responsibility of their need. And let's send them on to the countryside and out to the villages and to the little towns around. Let them all go home. Let them figure something out on their own so we can just be with you, Jesus. Let's just get rid of this problem. Jesus said, I think we need to feed them before they go. The disciples said, we don't have anything to feed them. Even if, if we could go, if there was somewhere, if there was a Sam's nearby or a Costco and there's not, uh, we couldn't buy enough bread, it'd take a half a year's wages to do that. Jesus knew they didn't have any money. He had to send them fishing to find the taxes to pay. He knew they didn't have the money the whole time. But they they begin to press this thing, whole thing with Jesus, this whole issue. And he said, you go search that crowd out and find out what, what is in the crowd that's available for food. Food. Then you bring that to me and we'll decide what we're going to do with it. So they found one man that had a lunch and there's various accounts of this story. I just like to use this one this morning. They found a man with a lunch, and they brought that lunch back. Just a couple of small fish. If you've been to Israel and you've been on the Sea of Galilee, you know that fish that they have. It's kind of just a kind of a, about like a crappie, I guess, good-sized crappie. And that's about the, what they had. They found two of those and a couple of uh, meal cakes that he had with him, some bread. And that's all that they had, five little pieces of bread and a couple of fish. And that's all that was in the whole crowd. They brought it back to Jesus, probably expecting Jesus to say, okay, you're right, we can't help them, let's send them all home. But instead, Jesus just looked up to heaven and asked for his heavenly Father's intervention in the middle of their situation and he began to break bread and break fish. And Before it was over, all 5,000 men and the other thousands of people that were there had all eaten until they were totally full. Now that's a pretty good statement right there, amen? He didn't just give them a snack, they were all satisfied, the Bible said. There's no telling how many fish was actually eaten that day or how many pieces of bread was actually eaten. And then Jesus said, or the Bible said after that, they picked up 12 basketfuls of just the leftovers that were left all around. That was a basketful for each one of these doubting disciples, I guess, so they could all have one. Take it home to remember that Jesus was big enough no matter what the need. Amen? This morning, I don't know about you, but I have a lot of people ask me from time to time, why do we not see miracles anymore like was in the Bible? Why do we not see miracles? Well, I want to just tell you that in the Big C, capital C Church of the Lord Jesus Christ, there are miracles happening all the time. We hear your pastor has access to this as well, from, from various places in the world where they don't have the conveniences that we have and the medical facilities that we have and other things. We see healing miracles and and miraculous things happen, blinded eyes open, lame people walking, cancers falling off. It happens regularly with our missionaries and in the indigenous churches around the world today. I will admit that we probably see less of that. In the American church, then we would maybe like to and maybe even then we could if we would just only maybe get ourselves in the right position this morning to where God could do that. I just want to tell you if there is a lack of miracles, it's not God's fault this morning. Amen? He is still a God that does miracles. And all miracles are not always what we want to categorize them as. All miracles are not always 5,000 people being fed by one man's lunch. All miracles are not always the doctor saying you got stage 4 cancer in 3 weeks to live and then the next time you go back say there's no sign of the cancer and it's all gone. Now those things happen and God is able to do that. Amen? And we believe him for all of those. But there are miracles that happen in our life every day. Miraculous intervention of God. What is a miracle? It's a supernatural intervention of God into the everyday ordinary lives of people. And we see that happen on a repeated basis in our lives. As a matter of fact some people say I've never seen a miracle well you're looking at one right here you know why I know I'm a miracle I once was lost but now I'm found I was blind but now I see Jesus saved my soul one day I haven't always been a preacher I was lost just like every other person in the world is until they come to the saving grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ and I believe that one of the greatest miracles that we will ever ever see is when a sinner gives his life to Jesus and is transformed into being a productive believer in the kingdom of God. Amen? Hallelujah. I believe that's the greatest miracle. Maybe I could ask you a quick question this morning because I don't want to be the only one in the house. How many of you were sinners before you got saved? Were any of you sinners before? Look, my goodness. What kind of church are you pastoring, Phil? My goodness. Whole bunch in here was all sinners before they got saved. Weren't we all? Weren't we all? You're sitting here this morning and you're lost and you don't know Jesus and you're trying to put your life together and you're just a broken mess. You're just right where you belong because that's where all of us were at one time until we met the master and he did the miracle in our life of transforming us from what we were until what we are now. So we not only have sympathy, we have empathy. We know what it is to be confused. We know what it is to be wandering. We know what it is to be broken. We know what it is to be fearful about our future. We know what it is to not have peace about eternity. We've all walked there before, but one day we met this man called Jesus that they were singing about a while ago, and he transformed our life and did the miracle of salvation in us. Amen? And while I contend to see more healing miracles in our churches, As Pastor mentioned, we oversee a a large number of churches now across the entire panhandle. And and we pray for them every day. Reese and I were praying for all of them this morning. And I always pray, Lord, let supernatural things happen in that church today. Let let people be healed in every one of our churches. Let miracles happen. I want to see that. I want to see more healing. I want to see more deliverance. I want to see all kind of things. But I still believe the greatest miracle we ever see is when someone turns their life over to Jesus and the radical change that uh, that we have whenever we come from that place place of lostness to being found by the great shepherd amen I believe that so we pray for more and more of that as well you know I just want to give you just real quickly this morning a few ways to miss a miracle if you're not careful in your life and it could have easily happened on this day the first way that I think we miss a lot of miracles is because we don't see the need with the right set of eyes we don't see the need with the right set of eyes The Bible said here that when Jesus came out of the boat and he saw all of these people you see, what had happened is the Sea of Galilee is really just a big lake. It's not, this, it's not the Gulf of Mexico. That's why as a kid I always pictured the Bible stories, and the Sea of Galilee was always the Gulf of Mexico to me. It was big like that. It's really not. It's just a big lake. You can see across it. It's a wide spot in the Jordan River. When Jesus and his disciples started their journey on their little boat over to this leisurely place where they could go picnic and have a good day and just enjoy some time away, when they started that leisurely little journey, everybody around this lake, saw them and they ran and the people wanted to be where Jesus was because of the miracles and the healing and his teaching and they outran them. There was already a huge crowd there by the time they got there and as the scripture says by the afternoon it had, the crowd had swelled to 5,000 men plus all the other individuals that were there. So we see them there and when Jesus came up out of the boat, Jesus looked at these people and the Bible says he was moved with compassion for them. Now, forgive me, I'm going to pick on the disciples a little bit this morning, but I don't think the disciples were moved with compassion. (laughs) I think they said, what are you doing here? This is our day with Jesus. We're taking a day off. We're supposed to have him to ourselves. We're supposed to be over here. And here is that same crew that was there yesterday. I know that family. They came yesterday. They're the same ones wanting Jesus' attention. And here all of them are. I don't think they saw a potential miracle that 2,000 plus years later we'd be talking about in Niceville, Florida on a Sunday morning was about to happen there. I don't think they saw that. They saw a group of people that they really just wasn't even in their purview and was nowhere around. But Jesus saw them with eyes of compassion. That's where the whole miracle began. He had compassion for them for the first time he saw them and by the time the disciples raises the the hungry uh, need to feed them lunch question later in the afternoon Jesus had already been moved for them. He had already looked at them like sheep without a shepherd. He had developed a feeling toward them that was not just that they're in the way or they're a bad thing but he saw them as someone who needed love who needed care and he saw the potential of a miracle there that day. Can I tell you that when we don't see the need with the right set of eyes, we start down a road that helps us to miss our miracle. You see, we run up against obstacles and difficulties in our life, and the first thing we want to do is, oh, man, this is horrible. This is such a terrible thing. Why am I having to go through this? I see this as a downer. But, you know, instead of looking at it and saying, you know what? This is not what I wanted for my life. This is not what I wanted to do today. This is not the road I wanted to go down. This is not what I had planned. But you know what? My God could step in the middle of this mess at any minute and make it a miracle. Amen? And we have to see that need with the right set of eyes and let our faith begin to arise. Amen? Amen. Same thing about this community. I believe God is up to something great at Genu Church. Amen? You can sense it in this house. There is fresh momentum. There is excitement in this room. I I was up worshiping a while ago, and I went back, and I told your pastors, I said, man, there's energy in this house. God is here. God is up to something in this church. He is giving us the opportunity to impact this community and the world with his good news this morning. Amen? And you know, I think we have to open our eyes and see that. Even as you're coming up on a great event like you're going to have on the 31st, you've got to see those people that come to that event, not just as a bunch of people coming after the candy (laughs) because they will our church motto used to be if you feed them they will come matter what you fed them. If you just feed them, they'd come. If there's candy, they're coming. I guarantee you. If there's fun and games, they're coming. And you're going to put all this work into it. If you're not careful, you'll think, I know that bunch. They were here last year, got all the candy, never been back to our church another time. No, no, no. We're not going to see them like that. We're going to see every kid that comes on this ground as a potential of someone that Jesus wants to change their young life. We're going to see every hurting single mom that brings her kids here as someone that Jesus wants to love on through us. Amen? we got to see the need with the right set of eyes. We got to see every family that comes on these grounds as potential people that God wants to transform their life using Genuine Church and his love through you to this community. That's how we have to see them. Amen. And that's how you have to see the event. That's why you need to get your orange card out and do something with it. Amen. It's not just about coming up here to work. It's not just about staying after to help clean it up. It's not just about running the Dunkin' Booth. It's not just about helping with Go Fish. It's not just about Trunk or Treat. It's about this community and us loving on them and giving them what they need, more than they need candy and more than they need anything else. They need Jesus. Amen? The candy is just a bait. Amen? We just want to get them where we can love on them. Amen? And just let them know Jesus loves them and let him do the rest, amen? But you gotta see the need with the right set of eyes. Could we just imagine without being judgmental this morning how many lost people live in the Knightsville, Florida area? Do You understand what I mean by lost people? People who do not know Jesus and are not prepared for eternity? It's probably a lot, isn't there? Yeah, don't put your judgmental hat on. Let's put our eyes of compassion on this morning, amen? not judging people, but we realize there are people who do not know Jesus who have not many probably who have never even had an adequate witness of who He is and what he'll do because we live in a very mixed culture here and people come from all over the world and there are many people who may not even fully understand who our Jesus is and how salvation even works while there are many others that might have known him at some time and are following afar off or some that have heard of Him but never experienced him. but I would suggest to you that the world right around us is a mission field. Could I mess you up just a little bit this morning and ask you that while you were on your way this morning either by yourself or with your family to this wonderful house of worship to experience this beautiful thing where the Spirit of the Lord is moving and there's, a, there's a, such a community feeling of family in this room today and everybody, you just realize, man, this is a good place to be. You just imagine how many people you drove by this morning from your house to this church who do not know Jesus. Wow. Some people say, I think, I think our church is big enough. I don't like a big church. You know, we were, when the church was growing at Carmel, I had a lady come to me, and she was a very faithful lady, very, very faithful lady. And she said, I don't think I'm going to like this two-service thing, Pastor. I said, really, why? She said, because I'm not going to get to know everybody that's there. I don't think I'll like that. I, I want to see it. I said, I called her by name. I said, do you know everybody that's here now? Well, no, not exactly, but I got a better chance of knowing them if we all come at one time than I do if we come at different times. I said, well, why is it so important that you know them all? Well, I just want to. I said, okay. I said, well, two services are our only option because we filled up what we got. So we can't build another big building. We can't spend another $5 million. So, you know, we're going to have to go to two services or either we've got to stop growing. So I'll tell you what. Since you're opposed to this, I need your help. Well, tell me what to do. I said, okay. I need you to stand in the foyer and identify all the regular folks that's already got in and all of us that gets to enjoy this every Sunday let them in, but when new people come that's going to overflow our building and we can't hold them, would you please tell them we don't have room for them here anymore and they need to go home? <laughs> well, of course I'm not going to do that. I said, well, it's the only option we have. What, 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 She said, well, I guess I'll get adjusted to two services, One, I? I? said, yes, ma'am, you will. With time, you will. <laughs> Why? She was the kind of person I could talk to like that. She loved me. I loved her. But she was having trouble with that growth and that development and what it was going to be like. But let me tell you something. There's a lot of lost people. There's enough lost people in Niceville, Florida to fill up every Bible-preaching church that's in this area multiple times a Sunday. Amen? So don't have to worry about what another church is doing or any of that. Don't worry about any of that. Just get your eyes of compassion on the lost people of this community. There's enough of them to fill this building ten times a Sunday and no other church would ever be impacted by amen you with me you got to see the need with the right set of eyes I like the way my friend Ron McManus talks about it he calls the church the aquarium yeah this is a nice place to be the aquarium that worship this morning it was like that little oxygenator in the uh, in the aquarium you know pumping that air in there so the oh it's easy to breathe in here man when they're up here singing us into heaven hallelujah who wouldn't enjoy that amen and, and, you know, it's just really, here's all these pretty, the Bible says he beautified the meek with salvation. By the way, you are beautiful this morning. And here they come. Here comes the beautiful blue fish and the yellow fish. And there's a little one that looks like Nemo swimming by. I mean, it's just really, really beautiful. It's a beautiful place to be. And then here comes Pastor Phil every Sunday. And he sprinkles the food up top. And we, we're we all just going around, getting us a good spiritual diet around here. And we're just happy fish in the aquarium. You just reckon how many fish you drove by this morning on your way to the aquarium who've never been where they get fed the word of God, who's never experienced this beautiful atmosphere, who's never felt love like in this room, who's never felt peace like God brings, who's never felt the joy of the Holy Spirit in spite of your difficulty. I would suggest there's thousands of them, as many people as in this room, that you and I drove by this morning. I'm telling you, we drive by all the fish every morning on our way to the aquarium. I'm asking God to open our eyes and let us see this community like we've never seen it before. Let's get eyes of compassion for Niceville, Florida and the surrounding area Every area, every man, woman, boy, and girl, no matter their status, no matter what the enemy is doing in their life right now, Jesus loves them, and he has eyes of compassion for them. And we need to pray he'll give them to us. Amen? Amen. Give us eyes of compassion. We miss a lot of miracles. You know what? I praise Lord. Would you just throw a couple of mullet in the middle of the aquarium? Amen? <laughs> mullet are ugly. <laughs> They're messy. Or anybody know what a stump knocker is? <laughs> or a war mouth brim. You know, those ugly fish. Because when you start reaching out to lost people, things get ugly. I don't have time this morning to share stories with you, but boy, I've got stories. When our church started to grow, I mean, it was a real petite, little quiet, (laughs) very refined little AG church where everybody had it going on just right, you know. I mean, you had to come six months before they'd even let you sit on the third or fourth row. I mean, they watched you close, I'm talking about. It was very, well, a lot of filtering, you know. Oh, yeah, you're welcome here, but we're going to watch you really close. Membership, three years, buddy. I mean, of hard labor, and then we'll talk about it. You know. so it was a whole lot different world. And all of a sudden, God called us to minister to these methamphetamine addicts and alcoholics and started bringing all these... Rough fish into the aquarium every Sunday and dummy me. I started this class called Finally High, Finally Free for, for rehabilitation. I didn't have any, didn't have a program, I didn't know what to do, but I knew they needed something. The court started court ordering people to my program. I was trying to do it on Sunday morning in Sunday school. I'd drag them on into church and then dummy me. I'd ask some of them to testify. <laughs> I didn't know that what they kind of told their story in the class. I thought, that's good. You need to share that. I didn't know when they stood up, they was gonna get excited. And nobody'd ever told them you don't cuss in church. <laughs> and they just started telling what a bleepity bleep life they had bleepity bleep lived before they found this bleepity bleep good thing. They just bleep bleep. Whoa! I figured I needed a new job every Sunday. Fight broke out one Sunday. Fight broke out at the nursery one Sunday. Had a guy in my program, and the judge court ordered his ex wife to the program, or his estranged wife to the program. That was wisdom. He snuck around to see their daughter when he wasn't supposed to, and we didn't have security in that day like we have now. They broke out fighting by the nursery. She clawed him. He is bleeding. You talk about Halloween in a house of horrors. We had it. He's bleeding. They're cussing like sailors, and she's knocking the fire out of him, pulling his hair. He's slapping her. They fight. The church was kind of J-shaped, and the nursery was as far removed from the lobby as it could be. Dumb, bad, bad, bad planning, but we didn't know any different in those days, and so that's how we did it. And so here they come fighting all the way through the crowd all the way through the Sunday school department. And Sunday school was letting out, and they were taking the kids to children's church. They started barricading the doors and throwing kids in the room. All the teachers are in panic mode. I mean, total chaos set in. Everybody's scared to death. An usher comes to my office and says, Some of them folks that you're bringing to this church are fighting. (laughs) They were quick to divide (laughs) who was mine. They loved it when it was going good. But when they got bad, they were mine then. Some of your kids. I ran out and ran out in the parking lot, and there they were fighting and cussing and carrying on like crazy people. He reached down to to her car. Literally, he was so mad he pulled the tag off with his bare hands and crumbled it up. And I ran out there in the middle of him. He was a big guy working the logwoods, I'm talking about. And she was mean as a striped spider, buddy. I'm telling you, she was, she was something. I got, I got eight valiant ushers standing on the front, front porch just watching them fight. They're afraid to go out there. I, I finally bust through the ushers, get out there to them. I grab one, grab the other, and I said, in the name of Jesus, shut up. <laughs> and we didn't use that word in our house, but you can always say it to the devil. Amen? <laughs> in the name of Jesus, shut up. I, I had one in one hand, one in the other screaming, shut up, shut up, stop it in the name of Jesus. New people are arriving at our church and it was, we were out in the country. There's cars coming up. We're right transitioning into worship. People getting their kids out of the car and they're going like, And I'm screaming at these people going, shut up, shut up. Come on in, we're glad to have you. You're here. Shut up. I'd have never stayed if I was them, but thank God if you did. It's crazy. It's crazy. But you've got to love people where they are. They're not going to come all cleaned up. They're not going to come with their life all fixed. But, Lord, would you give us eyes of compassion that we can love them enough, we can just put up with some of that until Jesus gets a hold of their heart. Amen? Amen. Well, there's a long story there that involves some shootings and some, uh, (laughs) you don't even want to hear it all. But anyway, it does end well, I'll tell you that. But you just got to love people where they are. They were miracles in the making. They weren't easy, but you have to see them like that. We miss a lot of miracles because we don't see the need with the right set of eyes. And let, me, let me go quickly. The second reason we miss a lot of miracles is because we focus on what we don't have instead of what we do have. That bunch of knothead disciples. <laughs> they had lived with Jesus, walked with Jesus, seen everything that Jesus had done, but all they could focus on was what they didn't have. Everything they said to Jesus was negative. Do you notice it? First of all, they came to Jesus and said, this is a desert place. It's a deserted place. It's a wilderness area. If I would have been Jesus, the smart mouth that I am, <laughs> I would have had to look at them and said, you've got to be kidding me. We're in a desert place? Well, I had no clue. Oh, now I remember. My father and I created this place a few thousand years ago. Oh, I remember now. Yeah, it's a desert place. You know what? The next thing they tell him, they tell him what time it is. Of course, most people like to remind the preacher of what time it is when they're speaking, but they, and I got it. I see the clock. (laughs) I got a big red clock. You just relax this morning. I got this, all right? Speaking mostly to my wife. She's more nervous than you are because she's heard me before. Jesus, it's getting on over in the afternoon. Jesus is like, Well, I do declare, I've got 12 Timexes with me that's going to tell me what time it is today. Jesus knew what time it was. And then they said, we don't have any money. I already told you Jesus knew that. He had to help them pay the taxes. He knew their financial status. There's no Walmart nearby. There's no Publix. There's nothing. Jesus knew all of that. You know, I think sometimes we spend so much of our prayer life telling God stuff he already knows. <laughs> Amen. Now, I know, you, you, you have not because you ask not. You have to make your request known. I understand all that. Pastor Phil will fix all this next Sunday. Please, please come back. Uh, I, I'm going to leave this in such a mess. But come back. He'll fix all this, okay? <laughs> but sometimes we just spend all of our time down telling, Oh, God, it's this, it's this. God's like, yeah, I got you. I'm watching you. I know exactly where you are. I know what it is. Let's get down to the root of the matter. Let's talk about what, well, God, I got to tell you, though, what I don't have. These disciples, oh, Jesus, 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 we don't have any stores around us. And Jesus, we don't have any money. And Jesus, we don't even have much time left. Jesus, we don't have anything. We just don't have anything. And Jesus, and I'm paraphrasing this now. This is the Tommy Moore version I'm preaching to you from now, okay? Jesus looked at him and said, I think you got more than you think you have. Well, we don't, Jesus. We don't have anything. First of all, they were going on a picnic. Now, this is totally non-biblical, and there's no theology to back up what I'm about to preach to you at all. So don't even look for it, okay? But I think they took a lunch with them, and they'd already eat it, a bunch of greedy hogs. Because <clears throat> they knew they were going to stay with Jesus all day. They'd been over there under the tree eating while they was watching Jesus teach the people, I think. They'd eaten up everything they took, all the potted meat and everything. They, all the and sausage they had. All just, they, they'd eat all the crackers and everything. It was all gone. He said, we don't have anything, Jesus. We know. <laughs> we already ate everything we brought. No, I'm telling you, there's no theology in that at all. but... No biblical evidence of what I just preached to you at all. That's just my idea of how it went that day. Jesus said, so I think there's more here than what you think there is. Go search it out. See, they were focused on what they didn't have instead of searching for what they did have. Can I tell you that we miss a lot of miracles in our life because we throw our hands up when we realize that the situation is bigger than we are and we just quit? I've called you today, I've come here today to tell you don't quit just because the situation's bigger than you are and you realize in the natural you don't have what you need to do what God's asking or what needs to be done in that moment just begin to search, begin to look find out what you do have, it didn't look like much when they first found it but all they needed to do was get it to Jesus and he'd take care of the rest, can I tell you that I believe around your life today are tools and things that are going to help you both personally, uh, first of all personally to see miracles happen in your life, I I understand you may not have the money right now but can you can you just find some faith, amen? <laughs> I understand you may not have the right doctor's report right now, but can you te- can you find some prayer and some faith to stand on God's word? Can you find a scripture to hold on to this morning? Whatever. Find what you can find to hold on to. Search the crowd until you find something. It may not seem like much, but just be a little handful on purpose here or a little nugget here that's laying along the journey somewhere. Get a hold of whatever you can muster up. As small as it may seem at the moment, who knows what God is going to do with it in your life amen and that'll happen let me tell you in this church it's the same way everybody in this church has something to contribute toward the miracle that God wants to do in you. amen everybody here does amen everybody here has something you may say mine is insignificant I imagine that's what that man said about his lunchbox he probably said it is insignificant but let me tell you what Jesus knows what's in your lunchbox this morning He knows what abilities you have. He knows if you are a ticket taker. I'm talking about the Halloween event coming up. He knows. You say, Well, I can't do what well, stop it. Quit telling me what you can't do. Could you sit in a chair and take a ticket? Could you sit and could you just simply be a greeter? Could you be someone who, well, I'm not a teacher. Well, guess what? We may not always need teacher. We need folks that can do this with a car and park them right here. We need people that can you do this right here? Can you shake a hand? Can you put a smile on your face and greet someone? What? Well, I'm not talented like all those people on the stage. Then whatever you do, don't try out for the worship team. Amen? <laughs> You know you can't sing, and we know you can't sing. So let those who can sing, amen? That's not what, but there's something in your lunchbox today that if you will find it and you will identify it and quit focusing on what you don't have, you can be a part of a mighty miracle that God wants to do in this church, amen? And you got to find your place because that's the third thing that keeps us from finding the miracle and having a miracle in our life is when we hold on to what we do have. Not seeing the need with the right set of eyes, focusing on what you don't have instead of what you do have, and then holding on to what you do have once you find it. That man had to surrender his lunch. He had to give it up to put it in the hands of the master. You see, he could have sat there and analyzed how insignificant it was and how there was absolutely no way that that could be a part of the big picture. Surely not. I mean, mine's so insignificant, poor little old me. No. He said, well, hey, if the master wants to give it to him. It doesn't look like much, but give it to him. Let's see what he does with it. I'm talking to somebody this morning. (laughs) He knows what's in your lunchbox. For some of you, it's in your lunchbox in the form of money. This church doesn't harp on money, and I'm not going to harp on money, but there's finances needed to advance and do the vision. God's put a great vision in your pastor's heart. He shared some of it with me. And it's going to take some funding and finance. Give it to the church. Don't leave it for your kids to fight over they won't even bring them grand youngins to see you but once a year. And you're you going to save all that money and give it to them? Let them work it out the way you did. Bring that in here and let this church use it. Amen. Oh, that's good preaching. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Woo. I all of a sudden started feeling at home. I need to realize I'm a guest. Let me bridle that back into the God knows what's in your lunchbox this morning. I may not. I don't have a clue. Pastor may not, but God knows what you can do. Some of you, it's an area of service. Some of it's an area of giving. You say, Pastor, look, you don't understand. I'm older now. I can't. I can't do this. I can't. You know, even if you're physically unable to get here on the grounds when the Halloween thing goes on, you sit somewhere in your in your rocking chair or in your recliner and intercede over that event. That the Spirit of the Lord is going to permeate this place so wonderfully that everybody that steps foot here is going to sense that there's something about this place that is different. Amen. Something in your lunchbox. We miss miracles because we miss miracles because we don't see the need with the right set of eyes. We focus on what we don't have instead of what we do have. And then we don't give what we do have to the Lord to use. You've got to release it. You've got to release this morning. And I close with this thought. We miss a lot of miracles in our life of all shapes, forms, and fashions. In our personal life and in the church as well. Because we forget who's with us at the point of our need. Somehow these disciples, bless their hearts, they had a lot of times of foggy memory. They forgot who Jesus really was. They ought to have been able by this time in, the, in their walk with the Lord and seeing what they'd seen, they ought to have been able to look at him and say, Jesus, these people are hungry. Now I don't know what you're going to do, but I know you're going to do something because I know that's the kind of Jesus that you are. So Jesus, if you want to just... Cause the bread to come up out of the ground or rain it down from heaven or whatever you're going to do. We need to feed them, Jesus, before they go. But they hadn't come to that place of faith yet for some reason. They forgot who was with them at the point of their need. Can I tell you this morning that Jesus is not afraid of whatever it is that you're facing in your life right now. Whether it's a physical ailment or sickness. Whether it's emotional problems that you're going through with depression, anxiety, whatever it may be. They're very real or whether it's a family problem in your life, or whether you need a job, or whether you're facing a difficult situation, whatever it may be, Jesus is not afraid of any of that, and he doesn't run when the need arises. He is very comfortable right at the point of your need this morning. And I want to tell you that you can have a miracle in this house this morning, not because you're at a a great church necessarily, and not because I'm the guest speaker for sure. That's not going to bring your miracle. But Jesus is here, Amen. miracle worker, <laughs> way maker, <laughs> promise keeper, <laughs> light in the darkness. Oh, hallelujah. Ever-present help in time of trouble and need. <laughs> One that sticks closer than a brother. These are all things the Bible says about Jesus and what he'll be to you. He is in this house today, and he's got your miracle in his hand this morning. And he can do what no other Power can do. You. Father, I thank you.